Welcome to Edwards Beyond the Test, a podcast that goes behind the scenes of the flight test mission at Edwards Air Force Base. I'm Don Waldman from the 412 Test Wing Public Affairs. When the need for something becomes imperative, one is forced to find ways of achieving it. In other words, necessity is the mother of invention, or in the case of Edwards, it would be innovation. And that's the case across the installation, as the minimal manning, social distancing, and quarantine requirements forced by COVID-19 have resulted in Team Edwards employing innovative solutions to keep the mission on track. Today's guests are all part of that effort, and we start at the Edwards Tower to meet Mr. Nick Booker, who is an air traffic controller and instructor. Hey, Nick, thanks so much for taking my call and joining us today. Thank you for having me, Don. Nick, you began working at the tower back in 2005. Can you briefly explain to us what it is you do there? Well, I started as an airman and trainee at Edwards. After uh, my enlistment, I was blessed with the opportunity of joining the amazing civilian team at the tower as a watch supervisor and trainer. As most of your viewers already know, Edwards is a unique base with a multitude of different airframes. We have everything from light civilian aircraft to the Air Force's top-of-the-line fighters, all mixed with unmanned aircraft in a complex test environment. Uh, we have the task of teaching our craft to the Air Force's up-and-coming controllers. Prior to the virus, this is our primary duty uh, for the most part and took a, a, the majority of our workday. Okay. Well, this past March, you know, when Edwards went into HP Con Charlie and minimal manning began, you got a phone call. Can you tell us about that? Well, as most of you can probably relate, I was getting a little bored at home. Uh, previously, like I said, we were spending the majority of our day uh, either training or figuring out how to better our training program, um, how to make it more consumable to the airmen um, and speed up the process as much as possible. And we've been making a, a huge amount of success recently. Um, but our airmen, I mean, they're important to us and they're important to the future of the tower. Um, so we had to come up with uh, different ways at home uh, just to figure out what to do. Um, so I was asked what I could possibly do at home um, to help out with this process. So I, I called a couple other members of the training team and we rolled around some ideas and came up with something we thought could work. Nick, you told me previously that Edwards receives a lot of ATC or air traffic controller trainees. So without support from you and the other instructors day-to-day at the tower, right now they'd be sitting idle until we return to normal operations. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, Because they're not certified controllers, they're not able to work without supervision. Um, Therefore, they're all at their home right now. And it could have a a great impact on their training overall, um, just being at home, being idle and then coming back to work having not done air traffic for a while. Based on that phone call you got, in the next question, creating some kind of online or virtual training for the position certification guidebook that the ATC trainees learned from, you said that was something previously that you thought about but didn't have time to implement. So now you're home and and you got that call. It was necessary to get that going for online, wasn't it? Yeah, and and the greatest challenge with it um, is just trying to develop some, some sort of material um, that's informative, but also interesting to consume, just to kind of make it so it's something they want to do, uh, not just have to do. Um, we also wanted to develop a product that was not just going to be temporary, something that's going to continue to be useful to us in the future, that trainees coming in can get the same information, gain the same knowledge that previously they would have to get one-on-one with a trainer, which takes a, a huge amount of time. Well, while this project is still being developed, so far, what have you added to it already? Uh, So far, we have several instructional videos. Um, These videos are linked to our existing training guide, but they expand on them uh, quite a bit. It gives them more of the the how and the why as opposed to just the facts. Um, We also have developed, uh, so we have these videos, 
And then we've also developed training scenarios. Um, they're like big puzzles, basically, for air traffic controllers. And we give them these these videos and this uh, training scenario. And then after they uh, review that information and go through it, um, then we have a video conference where they can ask questions about it. We can expand upon it further. Um, we can also talk about what they're, how they solve the puzzles. And what that does is it helps uh, all the other trainees see how someone's mind thinks and then think, okay, well, I was thinking the same thing or I was thinking something different. And we can kind of talk about what the best uh, options would have been. That is awesome. That's like a whole huge virtual classroom you've got going there. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. How have the students and, and also your peers reacted to this? I think everybody's happy to have something productive to do, um, especially because, like they, like you said, they're going to be sitting idle at home, um, not thinking about air traffic, and this is a huge part for them. I mean, they're, they've been spending a lot of their time trying to get certified. Some of them are really close to certification, and so I know a lot of them are worried that with this great stop that they're going to lose some of their skills and come back to work, you know, and maybe even lose their confidence. And so I think they're happy to be back into it. Um, and they're grateful for, for what we're doing. What a wonderful thing you've come up with. Congratulations on the development of this training. Do you plan on keeping it going, Nick? We do. We do. Uh, we, we hope to have uh, go through the entire training program um, from the, right when you introduce uh, into the air traffic all the way to the end to certification. Um, so that's what we'd like to do. Uh, whether or not we'll be able to get that far, it just kind of depends on how long we'll and how much time we have available. Well, fingers crossed that you get to accomplish all of that because it sounds like it's wonderful and it's going to be helpful beyond this pandemic. Do you plan to share it with other installations? Um, it hasn't really come up yet, um, but it's something since air traffic control, not just the Edwards, is pretty much you know similar across the board. We can probably share at least 80% of what we're doing um, that wouldn't just be Edwards specific. Um, but it hasn't come up yet, and maybe when we progress further and get a little bit better of a... Uh, of actual training tool, then maybe with something we could reach out to other other places with. So Nick, how does it feel to be part of this accomplishment with the virtual classroom? It's a big responsibility. Um, I know it's before we weren't doing a whole lot of work at home. Um, as an air traffic controller, we can't do a, a huge amount, uh, as you can imagine. However, when they asked me to do this, it was one of those things we just jumped on. And uh, it's a big responsibility because if we're doing something that's going to go beyond just today, I mean, it's something that could be used for years to come. It's kind of a heavy burden, I guess you would say, uh, to want to make sure you do it the right way, um, make it interesting. Um, and so it's, it's uh, challenging, but it's, it's good. It's rewarding. Many thanks to Nick Booker for sharing his story and taking us beyond the test. An innovative spirit is a big part of life at Edwards, and even more so during the COVID-19 pandemic. In just a moment, we'll talk with a senior-based leader about other innovative initiatives. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. It is a pleasure to welcome back to our program the 412th Test Wing Command Chief, Chief Master Sergeant Ian Eichen. Well, sir, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Chief Eichen, you know, as you know very well, innovation is a huge part of Edwards, both on and off the flight line. And now during the COVID-19 pandemic, we're seeing new and maybe some old ideas being quickly employed to help keep the mission going. Are you seeing that too, sir? We are seeing it all over the place. I think the pandemic opened up a new set of problems. And if you really take, whether you call it innovation, if you call it tests, or if you call it just fixing problems, that's all it really is. It's finding problems around the base and around the Air Force, and then using what you know or what you can learn to solve them. And, and so definitely we're seeing that during this pandemic. Before you came on the program, we were talking with Nick Booker over at the Tower. And as we learned from him, 
the project he's doing was something that he'd long had in mind, but he didn't have the time or the opportunity to turn it into reality. Are you seeing other examples of that? I think so. I think that's a great example. I mean, by itself, it's a great uh, innovation idea, but um, the, the pandemic has removed some of the lower priority tasks from airmen across the base um, and allowed them either time to focus on you know, homeschooling their children, taking care of their family, um, or taking care of ideas and things that they need to do around their organization that they just haven't been able to. So um, we've got multiple examples of that from uh, we have airmen who are 3D printing um, face shields and, and masks, so different uh, personal protective equipment. Um, we have airmen that have been uh, working with on the research and development of even better 3D printers. Um, and actually, those printers now are uh, printing COVID test swabs. So those those very small nasal pharyngeal swabs that you've probably seen on the news. Um, the the U.S. did not have the ability to to produce enough, especially with the demand that was happening across the the United States. And so a few companies got in and started designing very small 3D printed swabs. And there's a very intricate uh, lattice work that has to be done. If you look at the the texture of a Q-tip, really, you know, how do you print that out of plastic or out of uh, biodegradable materials? And it takes a specific type of printer and a capability um, that hadn't existed until uh, recently. And so we we have airmen that are actually working on that that those prototypes. Um, there was a relationship with one of the big name companies that's doing that now that we formed about eight months ago, um, where we've been working on their research and development um, as a co as a team um, mm-hmm. as a as a sponsor team. And um, we were actually doing it to focus on drones. So we we thought that some of the things that they were printing and their capability would help us um, print parts for some of our drones and. And as you know, in our emerging technology CTF, uh, we do a lot of work with drones. And really, we do the work with drones because it's a very cheap way of testing out a new capability um, before that capability ever goes on a manned aircraft or a larger aircraft. And so if you, if you fail with that, we have a small, cheaper aircraft that crashes into the desert. And that way, we can crash those um, so we learn the right way to do things before we put it on anything that would actually be dangerous to personnel. Um, and so we started working with these companies on these drone projects, but it turns out that the technology and the capability uh, was able to pivot very nicely uh, to the COVID response. Let's talk more about the 3D printing of COVID swabs. Are we? Are you just in the very beginning stages of this, or are you actually implementing a product now? No, so well, let me, let me back it up. So Edwards Air Force Base is not 3D printing, but the company that we had been working with is. And okay. so they got FDA approval about two weeks ago, and they got to the point where they were printing about 100,000 uh, a week, and I think soon they'll be printing about a million a week. However, the news that I have as of this morning is we were able to, to push that idea um, to some of our partner bases, and Kadena Air Force Base actually had uh, a printer with the right capability. And so by linking with those companies that were already doing this, they printed out their first set of test swabs either yesterday or the day before. And so um, the Air Force is doing this. Um, but it all stemmed on on these relationships, and we just happened, or they happened at Kadena to already have that capability in house, and so we matched the the design and the lessons learned um, with their capability, and now. Um, they're able to help out the island of Okinawa. You know, Chief, a moment ago you mentioned that face masks are being 3D printed here, and coming up we'll talk about that with Master Sergeant Greenwell. But in a recent conversation, you told me that cloth masks were being sewn by various groups from across the flight line to our spouses. Can you talk more about that? Yes, ma'am. So as soon as the Office of the Secretary of Defense put out their policy saying that we needed to wear masks around our we needed to wear masks, excuse me, around our installation. Uh, we had a mad rush for people because I, 
I didn't have a mask sitting at home. That was just not part of my standard day-to-day -day routine. Uh, immediately, our spouse network on base uh, began sewing and, and putting things together, and they, they organized a pretty good group where someone could call in and order a certain number, and, and this uh, group of spouses would then fulfill that request. The problem was as soon as the units started getting into that process, instead of a, a family of four needing four masks, now we had an organization of 400 needing 400 masks, and so the spouses had a hard time keeping up with that demand. Luckily, at almost every Air Force base, we have people who are trained in textiles. We have to repair parachutes. We have to repair uh, different rigs and slings that we have, and so we have airmen that have been trained to sew, and we have sewing machines around the base, and so they immediately jumped on and started using those skills. Again, skills and knowledge that they had and old material. Old meaning may not be serviceable for a parachute, but it was still good material, um, and they were able to cut good pieces out of that, and so they jumped on the they jumped on the idea and started producing masks as well. And so now we have a situation where you, you can go in and, and place your order, and if it's one of those 400-person orders that I had talked about before, that goes to the military team, and they start churning them out. And if it's, a, if it's a family of four and you want you know certain colors or a floral design, that's going to the spouses because they have uh, different materials and different things that they can use. But we, through this effort, uh, we were very quickly and rapidly able to uh, fulfill the needs of, and safety needs of not only our military spouses, our dependents, our children, uh, as well as our uh, government civilians and active duty on this base. And so it was a great uh, example of what I talked about before, of people seeing a problem and understanding they have skills that can maybe solve that problem and just running out ahead and doing it. There was no wing commander or wing command chief. There was no order pushed down that said, we will do this. It was awesome airmen uh, and they just jumped to the to the challenge and, and really have uh, impressed everybody. It is wonderful to hear you speak about Team Edwards as a whole coming together to combat the needs that we're seeing right now with COVID-19 and what it's doing to everyone. Well, thank you. It's a, it's an awesome place to be. Uh, the Air Force is, is a great place to be, and uh, every Air Force base has their own culture. But one of the things I love most about the Edwards culture and the developmental test culture that's developed here is that – the entire base is, is set up to find new ways of doing things, and, and whether that's with hypersonics, uh, different munitions, different aircraft, uh, you know, space, everything. Everything that happens on this base is based on trying to solve a problem that we think is happening currently or that will happen in the next 5 to 10 and maybe 20 years. And so that culture is kind of ingrained across this base. And so I wasn't surprised to see our airmen take up that challenge. Um, it's just been impressive to watch. We'll come back to Chief Aishan in a moment, but up next, we'll learn more about another 3D printing project. Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. We're talking about innovation amid COVID-19, and joining us now is Master Sergeant Jason Greenwell. Sergeant Greenwell, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you. You know, currently, you're on a special assignment with the 412 Force Support Squadron as a career assistance advisor, but your primary Air Force duty is in the area of electronic warfare. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, sure. So uh, I, my FSC is 289X3G, which is Electronic Warfare Systems On. I uh, started out on the AC-130 gunship, then moved to 
the B-1, B-2, and B-52 aircraft uh, after it was stationed uh, at Barksdale for a little bit and then stationed here. So, Sergeant Greenwell, before the COVID-19 pandemic, you were already busy in the world of innovation, working with others, creating our marker space or maker space areas, I should say. Can you explain more of that? Yeah, sure thing. So, uh, the maker spaces uh, basically is, an, uh, I think, uh, a a garage with just a bunch of stuff that you can come in and you have an idea and you want to put something together, but you don't quite have the, uh, maybe, maybe the funds to purchase the material or items that you need to put this idea together, or maybe you're not knowledgeable in certain fields and you want to kind of team up with folks who are already in the space who know, um, whatever it is, you know, whatever projects you're working on, if they have maybe more of an electronics background or more of a, uh, mechanical background or or anything like that they can they can help you in this space so everybody kind of just hangs out and and ideates basically come up come come up with ideas come up with solutions to problems around the base or um or just in the world that they see and and try to uh you know work on those problems uh either on by themselves or as a team what kind of tools are inside the makerspace? So uh, they differ from uh, space to space, but uh, in the makerspaces you'll find on base, uh, especially over here by housing, you'll find some uh, woodworking material with uh, wood. Uh, you'll find 3D printers. You'll find a lot of electronic components such as uh, Arduinos, Raspberry Pis, um, computers with preloaded uh, integrated development environments on them, um, and then just uh, standard stuff that you might find around the house, glue, woodworking things, just a lot of things normally that you would find in a drawer at home. Uh, we have probably a lot of that supply here that you can uh, come over here and kind of tinker with. Well, that sounds really cool. And speaking of those 3D printers, this past March, you and your team started producing 3D printed face masks. How did all that come about? Yeah, so um, we, uh, Command Chief, said, hey, can we do this? He, sa- he sent me a link to a file. I said, absolutely, we can do this and we can do more. Uh, so we uh, started printing out what was available uh, on the market, uh, and then we started designing our own um, uh, masks. Uh, so we have uh, Texar and Gaines, uh, who is uh, well-versed in 3D uh, modeling, uh, gaming, et cetera. Um, we're able to uh, – we had an idea. We draw it on the board or draw it on paper. He 3D models it and makes sure that it's uh, the right fit, and then we 3D print it. Uh, then we have uh, Emery Cortez, who is uh, – well-versed in 3D printing and just uh, mechanical-type uh, things, mechanical engineering-type things. So, Master Sergeant Greenwell, how are these 3D-printed face masks used? So the idea uh, with these masks is to uh, extend the life of the current N95. So the idea was the N95 is, is exposed, um, you know, to uh, to the air, I guess you could say. And, and the, these are the ideas that these are shields basically so the shield would protect the mask from splashing basically so it's it's hopefully to elongate the the life of the mask and that's the idea well tell us about your team i know you're all very well suited for this task first master sergeant greenwell we'll start with you yeah so um so my master's in uh, systems engineering um and uh, so i've and i've been programming since probably 12 years old started out with uh, basic and then just kind of Grew from there. Uh, several languages I've, I've uh, programmed in: um, Java, C, C++, C Sharp. Python is my current current go-to language. Um, and then um, Texar and Gaines, uh, his uh, degree is in game development and design, um, and that's where he brings in that 3D modeling and 3D rendering and stuff like that uh, to the table. And then uh, Aaron Cortez, um, he is 
not currently degreed. However, he is very well versed in mechanical engineering and uh, 3D 3D printing and 3D printing software, etc. That is an amazing bunch of talent right there. So using the makerspace in the housing area, how many masks to date have you made on the 3D printers so far? So we are, uh, we've total uh, several hundred, but or a couple of hundred, actually, and uh, different different uh, designs and things like that that we've printed. Um, but we're doing more than masks, uh, though. We're doing uh, some of the robotics over here as well. We're doing uh, hooks right now. Uh, there's a demand for um, handheld or uh, hooks that you can put on your keychain. Uh, so that you don't have to touch doorknobs and things like that. So currently we're printing uh, those hooks and actually laser cutting them as well. Um, so at the moment, uh, we're not producing those mask shields, um, but we did produce 200 or so, and then we got uh, our design that we had. We submitted it to the NIH for approval. That's exciting. And these door hooks, how many of those have you printed? Or, or cut laser cut, I should say. <laughs> laser cut. Well, we're kind of doing both. So we did. Uh, we did some. We're doing some three D printing and laser cutting of those hooks. And so far, we've done in the last couple of days about two hundred. You know, as we mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, you're already busy with innovation, whether it was developing the makerspaces or involved with robotics. And um, you, you work with both airmen and, and also some of our youth. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, so I've, I've taught uh, programming classes on the base. Um, and then there's some, some every now and then I'll do some one on one tutoring when it comes to uh, programming and just anything STEM related. I, I'm very passionate about uh, us uh, as a country getting into uh, STEM-related fields. The other day, though, you said there's STEM and there's also STEAM. STEAM, that's correct. So it's currently, uh, well, it used to be called STEM, and now it's STEAM. They've added art um, into that piece, which I think is very, it's, it's great. That's amazing. Um, and again, with Texar and Gaines here, he's going to be, we're going to actually team up uh, after this and continue the makerspace, but also continue the education piece. So uh, we were just having that discussion just before the call, uh, Texar and Gaines will be teaching game development design, which is all based, it's all surrounding the uh, art piece uh, of STEM. Uh, and again, uh, like I said yesterday, they, they were, uh, he is a very uh, good artist. And so uh, he can help with the uh, teaching the kids arts, uh, developing their characters and uh, animating their characters, et cetera. Master Sergeant Greenwell, I can just sense your passion for this. Where do you hope it all goes? So I hope this continues uh, long after I'm gone and uh, and or retired. So um, I, I suspect that uh, maybe maybe next year I may be leaving, but I hope to take my knowledge, take our knowledge and continue to te and teach this uh, uh, to other folks to to the point where they can teach it to the other people and, and just continue that that trend, that pattern. Um, I know there's a lot of resources online as well, um, a lot of YouTube resources and uh, resources on uh, what they call MOOCs or massively open online courses. Um, but sometimes uh, adding the personal element helps when you can have someone that you can sit with um, and kind of walk you through and teach you some of the uh, more difficult to understand topics. Is there anything you'd like to add before I let you go? It's just an amazing opportunity to be able to uh, create a makerspace, have the space to uh, to just sit around and really just bounce ideas off of people um, and then uh, make those ideas a reality. This is amazing. I love it. Many thanks to Master Sergeant Jason Greenwell for sharing his story and for taking us beyond the test. In just a moment, we'll continue talking with Chief Aishan about other innovative initiatives.
Welcome back to Edwards Beyond the Test. We're talking with 412th Test Wing Command Chief, Chief Ian Eichen, about innovation amid COVID-19. Well, sir, there is a new and exciting social media opportunity that was launched amid the COVID-19 pandemic here at Edwards. Sir, can you tell me about the Quarantine University? Yes, ma'am, I'd love to. Uh, we have a group of airmen. Uh, we have tons of airmen that, that focus on professional development. One of those groups is our Airman Leadership School. And so as they had to cancel uh, their next course because of COVID and most people weren't able to travel, they started trying to figure out how might they continue professionally developing our force here at Edwards. And then once they started looking at some of the, the virtual and the online options, they realized that there was no there was no barrier to actually scaling it. So if they were to do a session, say, uh, for 10 airmen here at Edwards, by allowing other people across the Air Force to look at it through, you know, through any sort of virtual teleconferencing capability, um, they could scale to 100 or 1,000 people without any extra workload. And so they built a, a typical, just a standard Facebook group um, to kind of bring people together to see how much of a demand there was out in the Air Force for people who wanted development in this time, whether those people are at home in quarantine or in a, uh, a lockdown status, whether they're just at home teleworking or they're doing their day-to-day -day business at work just like they would pre-COVID, um, but they just have a desire to learn. And very quickly, that group, you know, which started with two or three people, um, were, I think, six weeks in, and it's at 21,000 people. And so it's 21,000 airmen who want to learn, and out of those, there's also airmen who are willing to teach. And so now every day you can go on right now, and today there's probably seven hours of uh, curriculum and development being done. And so these are all recorded sessions where you can go on and live stream and, and talk about whatever topic you, you would like. And so we've had airmen uh, teach yoga, teach breathing techniques, resiliency, um, both spiritual and physical, um, mental resiliency as well. Uh, we have airmen teaching about professional development, uh, how to cross-train, and really all the things that are – uh, NCOs and senior NCOs and people around the Air Force would do to teach airmen different things. Um, they're doing it in a virtual realm. Even today, uh, we were doing civilian leadership development. So we have our civilian leadership school here at Edwards, and we wanted to make sure we took a lot of that capability and put it online for more people to see than just our Edwards airmen. And so we're talking all week about civilian leadership development and how do we how do we provide frontline supervisor training and mid-level supervisor training um, for civilians? And that doesn't matter if they're wage grade, if they're act demo, GSGG, just civilians on, as a whole. And the greatest part about that is it, even though the, the content is focused on civilian airmen, the, the knowledge, you know, deliberate development is not a civilian thing. It is not an active duty thing. It's just a taking care of your people thing. And so all of those lessons and all of that knowledge is applicable to the entire force. And so it's just great to see people using that platform uh, to continue what they're passionate about. And, and right now, most of those people are passionate about developing airmen. That is awesome. And you've had some strong leadership show up there, too, haven't you? We have. So uh, because we have a, a platform, um, it allows anybody really to jump on. You have uh, senior NCOs, GS-15s, you know, 06s, 07s, command chiefs, uh, various people from across the Air Force jumping on. We had uh, Marshall Falk on the other day. We have some WWE superstars, especially on the business side, um, speaking next week. And so, again, you, some people might look and say, you know, what is a football player and, a, you know, somebody high up in the WWE organization have anything to do with each other? Leadership lessons are leadership lessons, and it's really good to get people from outside of the military because you'll hear many of the same leadership lessons and even leadership stories or parables from different chiefs, even though they have different experiences. 
But when you can talk to a CEO of a Fortune 500 company or talk to somebody outside of the military, they approach a problem very differently. And so they don't sometimes have the same groupthink that you might find in military members. And some of the ways in which they approach problems will spark something in our military members. And so by partnering or coupling their, their way of handling the problem with maybe my way of handling a problem, it opens me up to a whole new way of thinking. And so we love the idea of bringing in as many people as possible who, who again, want to teach and just merging them together with people who want to learn. Well, the quarantine university has become global and it's obviously growing in popularity, sir. Do you envision it continuing after the pandemic? I do. I think the pandemic brought the right people together. Um, but if any of us, I, I, I think, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in this thought, that after the pandemic, there will still be airmen who want to learn and there's going to be airmen who want to teach. And so whether the name stays Quarantine University or becomes something else, it really doesn't matter. The Air Force and the DOD will need a place where people can come together and teach each other. And I think Quarantine University is the beginning. We're learning a lot through the process and will help feed what whatever it becomes. But it We'll be able to pivot it, we'll tweak it, whatever you want to call it, but we will change it based on what the Air Force needs at that point. And it, because it's a, it's a growing thing, it allows us to tweak based on uh, the needs of the airmen, the needs of the instructors, and the needs of the Air Force. And so we're excited to see what happens. Well, if our listeners are getting as excited as I am about it and want to go check it out, is it something they can easily find on Facebook? That's correct, ma'am. All you have to do... AF Quarantine University on Facebook, and it should be the only thing uh, that oh. comes up. And there's, it, it doesn't cost anything. It's, it's free to jump on, and you can jump in and start uh, watching content immediately. Everything that we've done up until this point is recorded and, and available. Um, and then we love having new people come in because they just bring another set of eyes and a new set of uh, leadership stories and, and leadership experience they can bring to the group. Chief Aishin, if anybody has ideas that they want to share for innovation or just to help right now, where can they go? So if you're on Edwards, there's a couple things you can do. Uh, we have our IdeaScale campaigns out there. So IdeaScale is kind of a crowdsourced problem curation platform. And it's, an, it's a way of putting in your problem and then having people kind of talk to you about it. And so we've got multiple campaigns that we've done on IdeaScale. We actually have a, an innovation team called Spark. Uh, they are on base. And they've got their own website. If you look up Edwards Spark or Edwards um, Hustle Squad, you'll see it. That was one of their old names. And you'll be able to find them. And they're a group that kind of runs down a lot of these problems and helps connect um, people and problem owners, we'll call it, with maybe problem sponsors. And so maybe the money or the expertise or maybe just the authority that's necessary. So getting an idea to the wing commander if we need to remove some barrier. Uh, they can always email myself uh, and really anybody in their chain of command. And so they don't – I'm not saying that's a chain of command thing, but across this base we have leaders who are – uh, willing to use their position to help brainstorm and to help make these ideas and bring them to fruition. Um, and if they're not, you know, if you bring me an idea and I'm not the subject matter expert, well, then I find one across the base or find one somewhere else. And we try to merge that together uh, to figure out a way forward. And so I can either help with that idea as a person who's been in the Air Force and can help you brainstorm at, or as an actual command chief who sits next to the wing commander to help um, push things through the system and help you. And so uh, – that is an awesome part of the culture here at Edwards. So I just recommend talking to as many people as possible. But if they keep hitting a brick wall somewhere, uh, they can easily just contact me. Well, Chief Aishin, before I let you go, is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, so everybody that's been on this podcast today, I, I want to I say thank you for, for the awesome things that they're doing. I also want to th say thank you to the, the leadership, uh, the, everybody around them that's allowed that culture to continue. Culture is not a thing that one person can make happen. 
uh, it takes a concerted effort over a long period of time and multiple people um, to, to remove bar barriers and try to push and maneuver that culture in a certain way. And that is something that started uh, 70 years ago at this base and has just continued based on the needs of the Air Force. And so I, I want to thank everybody in the organization, the 412 Test Wing, the Air Force Test Center, uh, Materiel Command for that, and then really everybody who's been part of that that culture and that family for the past 70 years because we are now experiencing the fruits of their labor uh, over, you know, multiple decades. Many thanks to Chief Master Sergeant Ian Aishan and all of today's guests for taking time out to share their stories and taking us beyond the test. We invite our listeners to submit their suggestions for future episodes by sending us an email at beyondtest at 412TW.us. Thanks to all for joining us. I'm Don Waldman for Edwards Beyond the Test.